When I was a little boy in church, we used to sing a song. And I'm supposed to open today, so we're going to open with that song. It's really difficult to sing. If you're saved and you know it, say amen. That's it. Let's sing it. If you're saved and you know it, say amen. Amen. If you're, oh, no way. No, 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 no. If you're going to do it, you've got to go all the way in. So let's stand. Let's, let's get into this. If you're saved and you know it, say amen. Amen. If you're saved and you know it, say amen. Amen. If you're saved and you know it, then your life will surely show it. If you're saved and you know it, say amen. Amen. That's a look into my childhood. I'm really sorry. Let's pray. <laughs> Gracious Heavenly Father, we love you and we just want to be honoring to you today with everything that we do. We want to hear from you. We want to worship you. We want to praise you. We want to love you because you're worthy of all of that. Encourage us today, Lord God, as we come to hear your word and your ways. In Jesus we pray. And all God's people said, let's worship. Freedom feels like this. We praise. 
Jesus some praise. Come on. The name above every name. No other name under heaven given only men must, whereby we must be saved. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Let's, uh, let's talk about offerings. Well, you get so excited when that happens. I know it's like your favorite part. But last week we learned that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. It belongs to him. Right? Psalm 24. And if everything belongs to God, Deuteronomy 8, verses 17 and 18 says this, Beware lest you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand has gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, and he, and he may confirm his covenant that he swore unto his fathers unto this day. It is God that gives you power to get wealth. You think it's you. 
You think it's all you. It's all God. Because it all belongs to him. But how do you respond to that? Let me give you one more verse. Proverbs 3, 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Oh, come on. Is that what he always asks for? No, no, no. I want, I want this for you. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all you produce, your produce. Then will your barns be filled with plenty and your vats be bursting with wine. Barns will be, he, there's a promise that God gives to take care of us if we trust him. Do you trust him today with all that you have? Father, we love you. I want to apologize. I forgot to pray to open the service up. I talked and did my thing, but I didn't call on you. So Father, I just pray that you encourage the people of this room to recognize that everything belongs to you, but we can trust you with everything that belongs to us. So we give because we trust you. We believe that you're going to take care of us, even in difficult times. Encourage our hearts, Father, to seek your face in, in regards to what we have. You give us the ability to gain more. Help us for that. Help us to see that. Bless these people in ways by their, their faith in you that freaks them out. I still believe, Lord God, if they would just trust you, you would do things in their lives that they would never think could ever happen. Pour down the miracles on them, Father. We love you. In Jesus we pray. And all God's people said? Amen. All right, we got 14 more songs to go.
You pay 
I didn't think you guys heard me. <laughs> Y'all may be seated. Let's dismiss the kids at this time. I was teasing. I was not trying to take praise from Jesus. It amazes me. I know me, and yet Jesus gave his life for me. It's amazing. Thank you, kids. Yesterday, the sun was out, so I thought it was a Harley day, so I wore my Harley shirt. Wasn't it a Harley day? My wife's leaving me in the middle of the sermon. (laughs) Turning your Bibles to the Song of Solomon. I feel like there's an echo in the building. Is that me? I'm hearing my... Oh, that's better. That makes me feel better. We're in a series called Love Songs. 
There's nothing back here. We're in a series called, I'm just going to throw my stuff all over the floor. We're just going to go for it today. Can we do that? We're in a series called Love Songs. It's out of the Song of Solomon. So turn in your Bibles to the Song of Solomon. It's right after Ecclesiastes. (laughs) I think that's funny because people are like, where's Ecclesiastes? Right by the Song of Solomon. I just told you. Go to Isaiah and turn left. I'm trying to figure out if the silence in the room is nerve-wracking or not. We've turned the lights up. You can see now. You can see me. I can see you. It's really scary. I liked it better in the dark. Not that you're bad-looking people, but... Sometimes the Holy Spirit just says, would you shut up and preach? Which is what he just said to me, so that's what I'm going to do. Let's... uh, Let's pray for the relationships in the building and the relationships outside of the building. I don't mean to not remember the online people because you guys have been faithful and I appreciate that. But I have to hold my head up to talk to you so it's really hard to do. But you've been faithful and I appreciate that. And I like you guys too that are in the building. Okay, I can tell. This is the way it's going to be today. let's, Let's just... Get on our knees and pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, you have been so good to me. Just this week, you have been so good to me. The amount of forgiveness and grace and love and mercy that you poured out on me. Was undeserved. But it's who you are. Father, we live in a day when relationships need your hand involved. It's not enough just to obey a command. They need to understand what they're obeying and believe that they can have the relationship that you desired and that you created for us to have. We love you. I pray for the marriages in the room. Open up the hearts of the husbands and the wives to hear what you have to say to them today. Open up the hearts of those who are maybe dating and just thinking about marriage. Make sure they don't take that step without having interest in each other. And then today they're going to learn about intimacy. Encourage their hearts today, Father, to seek your face. And Father, I don't care who wins the Super Bowl. Because the only thing that matters is what's going to happen in heaven when we're there. Because we know whose team we're on. And we know who's going to win. We love you for that. Encourage our hearts. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. I thought because of the Super Bowl, I'll go into extended period today. We'll just preach until 3 (laughs) o'clock. Every week I'm picking a song to sing to my wife. Today is the Brian Adams song, another Brian Adams song. And I might try to sing it, have some grace. When you love someone, 
You'll do anything. You'll do all the crazy things that you can't explain. You'll shoot the moon, put out the sun when you love someone. That tells you how much I love her that I'll sing in front of all of y'all <laughs> to her. Yeah. I'm not done. <laughs> I got more. You'll deny the truth. Believe a lie. That'll make you nervous. But you do when you're in love, right? There'll be times that you'll believe that you could really fly. But your lonely nights have just begun when you love someone. When you love someone, you feel it deep inside and there's nothing else could ever change your mind. When you want someone, when you need someone, when you love someone. By the way, if you're a single girl, you need to find a guy who will sing in front of people. <laughs> just, just, but he can sing. You wanna find someone who can sing. When you love someone, you will sacrifice Give it everything you've got and you won't think twice. God, I love that woman. You risk it all, no matter what may come, when you love someone. Just in case they don't know it, I love you, Deborah Jane. Last week, we learned the value of interest. The state of actually liking the person that you're with. Like you should like them, not what they do, but who they are. You should like the person that they are. So interest just simply means I like her or I like him. And this week we're going to look at intimacy, but let me begin by saying a couple things about intimacy. Intimacy is not what the world teaches. The world teaches that intimacy is only found in the physical union between a man and a woman. That's intimacy to the world. That's not biblical intimacy. From a biblical perspective, it has greater meaning. And intimacy is the state of being inseparable. When you're intimate with somebody, you are inseparable from them. The word most often used in the Bible to describe intimacy is one or oneness. In the Song of Solomon, the term is used in the form of my, which is a word that describes being one. So my. And then he goes on to say my love. And we'll read that in just a minute. My love. It means that we belong together. She is my love. It literally describes a permanent union between two to become one. Intimacy. So, Song of Solomon, chapter 1 and verse 9. Song of Solomon 1, 9. And I'm going to read this and then I'm going to rebuke you and then we're, I'm going to read some more. I'll tell you why. I compare you, my love, to a mare among Pharaoh's chariots. See, in that day, for a woman to be called a horse was a good thing. And what's happening, and I noticed it last week, I, I would read some stuff and y'all would keep reading on and then he'd give an explanation of what he was saying and you're, you're laughing about the things that you don't understand. In that day, to be called one of Pharaoh's chariot horses was an honor. Now if you're called a horse, you just get mad. So husbands, don't try this at home. 
I don't need the counseling. So what I want you to do when I read these passages is stop reading ahead to read the illustrations. Read those at home and chuckle all you want there. But here I want you to pay attention to what I'm trying to say. Song of Solomon chapter 1 and verse 15. Behold, you are beautiful, my love. Behold, you are beautiful, my love. Chapter 2 and verse 2. As a lily among the brambles, so is my love among young women. There's a, a possessive state, not control, but a possessive state. They belong to me. I'm one with this person. My love. Song of Solomon 2.5. Sustain me with raisins, refresh me with apples, for I am sick with love. The closest word I could find as I studied this out, the word sick can be infected. So much in love that it's like you're infected with this, this person. Song of Solomon 2.10. My beloved speaks and says to me, Arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away. Arise, my love. Song of Solomon 2.13. The fig tree ripens its figs. The vines are in blossom. They give forth fragrance. So hold on to that passage for later. They give forth fragrance. Arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away. Verse 16. My beloved is mine, and I am his. My beloved is mine, and I am his. There's a belonging there's a union, there's a oneness. Song of Solomon 3, 1 through 4. Are you still with me? On my bed at night, I sought him whom my soul loves. I love him so deeply, it's in my soul. It's become, his, my love for him has become part of me. Verse 2. I will rise now and go into the city and the streets and the squares. I will seek him whom my soul loves. I sought him, but found him not. My soul loves. Verse three, the watchman found me as they went about the city and she said, have you seen him whom my soul loves? Meaning there was such a love for him that people around her knew that she, who, who she was talking about when she said, have you seen whom my soul loves? Do the people around you know that you love your spouse so much that your soul loves them? Do your neighbors know? Do, do, your, do your friends know? Do your children know that you love this person so much that it's deep inside? Scarcely had I passed him when I found him whom my soul loves. I held him and would not let him go. I lost him for a second, and when I found him, I just would not let go of him. Chapter 6 and verse 3. You all must have the same Bible, because that's the most Bible page turning I've heard so far today. Page 735. No, I'm sorry, that was the old King James. 6-3. I am my beloved and my beloved is mine. There's, again, a possession and a submission. 
I am my beloved and my beloved is mine. Song of Solomon chapter 7 and verse 10. That's the last one in Song of Solomon. I am my beloved and his desire is for me. He wants me. That's intimacy. But I got to give you a little more to kind of help you with it. Because the idea of intimacy in relationships is found throughout the Bible. And it's found in the, the first instruction that God gave Adam and Eve. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24. Go ahead and turn there. Genesis 2, 24. This is the instruction that Adam gave, uh, God gave Adam and Eve about relationship. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother. Just want you to hear that a couple of times. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother. And hold fast to his wife. And they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed. This union created no shame, no fear, no doubt. They were naked and not ashamed. Which somebody wants to giggle, I know. (laughs) There's always somebody. Because it's funny. That's God's first instruction for a couple. Two becoming one. To leave your mother and father, hold fast to your wife, and become one flesh. Matthew 19, verse 6, or verse 4. Matthew 19. I know, I've got you going all over the Bibles. It's good. Breaks the pages up. Matthew 19, verse 4. This is Jesus speaking, and it says, He answered, Have you not read that he who created him, created them from the beginning, made them male and female? That's a sermon for another day. And said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Just a repeat of Genesis 2, 24. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man separate. So God's design and desire for uh, a a couple when they get married is for them to to become one, for two to become one. This is the idea of intimacy. Ephesians chapter five and verse 31. You can turn there because we're going to be there for a minute. Ephesians 5, 31. It's the same passage read again. Therefore shall a man man leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. A man shall leave his mother and his father and hold fast to his wife. Don't let her go. Don't make her feel like she wants to leave. Amen? Hold fast to her. The two should become one flesh. Now, the, 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 in fact, the physical act between a man and a woman outside of the marriage relationship is viewed by God as an act of empty, in, empty intimacy. And I'll give you the verse because we're going to talk about it next week. And if you have the guts to come back 
next week will help everyone in the room because you're going to say, I haven't had a problem with, with this. It, it's part of our culture. 1 Corinthians 6.16. Did I tell you where to go? 1 Corinthians 6.16. This is good for your fingers to go. Do you not know that he who is, and so he asks this question as if you should know this. Do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For it is written, the two should become one flesh. We'll talk about more about this when we come back, and I'll make sure that it will be rated PG. So don't go freaking out that I'm going to touch on things that are going to scare your kids. We'll talk about more about that next week. But I'm trying to show you that intimacy is the act of being inseparable. When you're intimate with your spouse, it is the act of being inseparable. It's two becoming one. When I got married, it was till death do us part. Now, I've had couples tell me, don't use that. I won't do, I won't do the wedding. I won't do the, the ceremony because it's till death do you part. Because when you become one, you can't become two. I wear a ring to remind me of that intimacy, that it is forever. And what brought Deborah and I to this place of intimacy began with interest, but became intimate when love happened. So intimacy didn't happen until we had interest. And then when we became interested in each other, love happened and we became intimate. Inseparable never happens without love. Inseparable never happens without love. And I'm not talking about the love that the world uses because the world uses love like just an empty, it's an empty word. I have people all the time say, I love you. You might like me. And you might think you love me, but you don't really love me because when it gets hard, you'll probably leave me. That's how it works in the world. There's people that you say that you love all the time that you don't even know who they are. You don't, you don't even really like them. You just say you love them because that's what this culture does. And I see married couples all the time who say that they love each other, but they really don't even like each other. I mean, I never see you hug. I never see you hold hands. I never see you laugh together except for, for to laugh at each other. I'm feeling really lonely today. I... Inseparable never happens without love. And that's what Song of Solomon was, was showing us. That it's not just any love, but it's my love. So to understand this, you've got to ask the question, what is love? What is love? Love is the moment that interest becomes sacrifice. Love is the moment that my interest in Deborah became my willingness to give my life up for hers. Interest became sacrifice. Without that, you're not really intimate. You're not going to become one. When I loved Deborah, it meant that I was willing to surrender my life in intimacy to her. My life became her life and her life became my life. 
Love is the moment that interest becomes sacrifice. Two never become one without the death of the single life to create a whole new life. So I had to give up my single life to be intimate with her. I don't have my own life anymore. It belongs to her. And she doesn't have her own life anymore. It belongs to me. We have surrendered ourselves to each other in intimacy. She is my love. I am her love. Our kids know that we love each other. Our church knows. I hope you know how much I love that woman. Uh, To sing in front of y'all and to say y'all because she's from Texas and I'm trying to represent because I'm from Astoria, born and bred. See, there's a biblical principle that is spiritual in nature that comes to the marital relationship. Turn with me, John 3.16. John 3.16. Y'all haven't had this much biblical exercise in a long time. That's not a negative. I'm just saying that's a good thing. That you're doing it. For the Hebrew Greek scholars in the room, this word love means the same in John chapter 3 that it means in Ephesians chapter 5. Which we'll get to both of them. For God so loved the world that he what? That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Well, I'm sorry, that's the King James. This is eternal life in the ESV. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And the word believe in this context is important because it means not just to to, to think in your mind that this is true. It is to entrust your life to God through Jesus Christ. The word belief means entrust. So to entrust is to put your life in the hands of another. So when I fell in love with my wife, I entrusted my life to her. That's why divorce is so difficult because you've entrusted your life to somebody and then divorce happens and you've already shared all of your secrets and all of yourself and all of your things with this person and then divorce happens and they walk away with things that belong to you. That's why divorce is hard. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever entrusts their life to Jesus becomes one with him. Marriage is a picture of your relationship with God. See, love gives, its li- gives up its life to another. Love gives up, gives up its life to another. No longer two, but one. So intimacy then is the act of being inseparable. When I give my life up, you can't separate it because she takes it and she gives her life up to me. So we become one. What in, in, when interest inspired me to love Deborah, intimacy required me to give up my life. When interest inspired me to love Deborah, intimacy required me to give my life up. If you're going to be intimate with somebody, you're going to need to understand that you're going to have to give up your life for, to them, for, for, for them. 
God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes or entrusts themselves to him shall not perish but have eternal life. Intimacy ends your life and begins a whole new life. When I became intimate with Deborah, my life ended, our life began. Are you with me? Just like God's love for us. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1. Let's go there. We'll be there for a minute. Ephesians 5 1. Therefore, be imitators of God. Be imitators of God as beloved children. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Remember Song of Solomon 2.13? I told you to remember. The fig, ripens, the fig tree ripens its figs. The vines are in blossom. They both give forth fragrance. Intimacy gives off a fragrance that honors God and makes you happy. Intimacy, when you give yourself to somebody, it should be a beautiful thing. See, if you love your spouse, you give up your single life to live a life of inseparability, oneness. Ephesians 5.25. The passage is used more often than not when it comes to marriage counseling and marriage encouragement. Paul says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. 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 Jesus Christ gave his life up for us. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water by the word. So that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. That he might, she might be truly holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He that loves his wife loves himself. See, if you know how to love your wife, give your life to her. You know how to take care of your own life. For no one ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body. When we trust Christ as our Savior, we become a member of his body. We'll talk about that in just a minute. We become one with him. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ in the church. God is trying to use marriage to illustrate what a relationship with God looks like. How two become one. John chapter 14 and verse 18. I'm going to get to a point where I'm going to start preaching. Well, kind of. There's a lot here. 
Jesus is speaking in John 14, verses 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while and the, wor- the, wor- that, and the world shall see me no more. But you will see me because I live. You also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in the Father and you in me and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. And Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that we, you will manifest yourself to us and not the world? And Jesus answered, get this. If anyone loves me, gives himself to Christ, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. When you trust Christ to be your savior, Jesus Christ opens up the door for the Holy Spirit of God to come inside of you. And become one with you. But you have to. Be interested in being intimate with him. We're a spirit. Soul and a body. But God is spirit. And when when we become born again. The spirit of God comes in and dwells us. And gives us a new spirit from God. That's called the new birth. And something else quite remarkable happens. When we get saved. We receive the person of the Holy Spirit of God which means a believer in Christ has two spirits inside of him, the human spirit and the Holy Spirit. When we receive the Holy Spirit, he becomes one with our human spirit. To the extent that our human spirit carries his nature and qualities yet remains in the human spirit that still lives in us. That's the spiritual transformation that happens when you trust Christ as your Savior, when you entrust him to be your Savior. You give your life to him, trusting that what he did satisfied God by his sacrifice on the cross. And that his resurrection from the dead gives you hope that your sins can be forgiven, that you too can be resurrected from the dead. That's being one with, with God. This is a mystery that Paul was trying really hard to explain in Galatians 2.20 where he said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. First Corinthians 6.17 says, But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. There's an intimacy that is formed with God through Jesus Christ that comes from you entrusting him with your life. When you entrust him with your life, your sins are forgiven. You become one with God. The Holy Spirit comes inside of you and indwells you. You are no longer your own. You're bought with a price. So you're supposed to glorify God with your body, which is his, and your spirit, which is his. See, how does, what does this have to do with marriage? It's the same picture. Spiritual relationship with marital relationship. Intimacy in marriage, intimacy in spirituality is formed when you trust Christ as your Savior. And trust Christ as your Savior. Intimacy with your spouse happens when you surrender yourself to each other. If you don't surrender yourself to your spouse, you will never be truly intimate with them. It will be physical, it will not be spiritual. It will be physical, it will not be godly. It will be temporary. So I taught all of this to get to this point because 
How do I know that I'm intimate with my spouse? How do I know that? The, the same way you know that you're saved. It's not just the words that you say, but it's in the testing of your faith that proves whether or not you're intimate with God and intimate with your spouse. Which is a, a, a twist in what I'm saying. You can say that you're, you love your spouse. You can say that you've, you're intimate with them, but that doesn't mean you really are. And you don't find out how intimate you are until you go through something difficult together. So as we close, I want the worship team to come up and I'm going to explain this real quick. Now I want you to know, I don't have permission to say all the things that I'm going to say today, but I'm going to say them anyway because I want you to get this point. Intimacy doesn't just happen. It's built over time with a person through entrusting each other over and over again. Through trial and tribulation. No one really loves Jesus who really loves Jesus has never experienced his love through, throughout trouble. Like when you go through difficult times, that really proves to you how much you love Jesus. And you worship Jesus differently when you go through difficult times. If everything's easy, it's easy to say that you love him, but that doesn't mean you really do. When he has saved you from difficult circumstances, that makes you go, whoa, Jesus is awesome. So let me give you this. You may look at Deborah and I and say, it's just so easy for you guys. You don't know our story. And I'm going to share the whole thing with you. My wife came from a broken home. In fact, her, her family got divorced and that's, she was sent to live with her aunt and uncle. She had to leave her grandmother and grandfather. She had to leave her family. She had to leave everything that she loved and knew because of divorce and came to live up here. I would never have met this woman if it was not for that situation. She moved up here, went to Napa. I was from Warrington. I had to help the Napa people out by helping you marry up a little bit. I'm telling you, mom and dad from Napa, just have them marry Warrington people. It'll just change the world. When we met, I was struggling with an alcohol addiction. Half a case of beer a day, seven days a week, four years. I've had people tell me, you didn't really have a problem with alcohol. Half a case of beer, every day for seven days, for three years. Her family said, don't date that guy. He's a train wreck. He's an alcoholic. They said, stay away from him. And I honestly believe that should have happened. We were together four months and I couldn't understand why this amazing woman loved me. So I broke it off. She freaked me out. I'd never had somebody love me the way that this woman loved me. She was willing to surrender her life to me and I thought, you don't know me. I can barely take care of myself, let alone take care of you too. Broke it off. Praise God she took me back when I begged <laughs> like a dog. We had a great season for a couple years, but then we lost two babies to miscarriage. And I'm going to tell you, I listened to some of the couples in the church who've gone through miscarriage, and I've heard these stories about how the husband is so kind and compassionate. I didn't have any, I didn't help her at all through the miscarriages. I couldn't handle death. I didn't help, she, did it, she went through that all on her own. 
Say, that, that's not who you are. We know you're better. No, no, that's who I was before I started really following Christ. I took care of me. Once we had our son, my wife experienced a difficult depression until she was pregnant with our daughter. Sorry, I got my pages mixed up. So Deborah struggled with those things. At 25, are there any 25-year-old married couples in the building? 25 and married, there we go. Just look at them. Aren't they young and cute? (laughs) Welcome to New Life. They're just young and cute. 25 years old, we had a daughter born with liver disease. And she needed a transplant. And that was back before they did a lot of pediatric transplants. Our daughter was what? Third, third baby transplanted in, a, in America. That, they just didn't do a lot of them. So it was a pretty scary time. 25 years old, we had to face that. Led us on a journey of difficulty, distance, and constant fear of death that is still a part of our lives to this day. You don't go through something like that and think that everything's going to just work out. You realize that death could come at any time. During that time, my wife, whose best friend since high school, got cancer and died before she turned 30, right? She was 32. Best friend. She was more one with her than she was with me. They loved each other in a, in a wonderful, you just don't find those kind of friendships anymore. It was an amazing, I was jealous because she had a better relationship with her than she did with me because they were one. 32, she loses her best friend. In my wife's early 30s, she had multiple medical problems. We went into pastoral ministry in our mid-30s, giving up the American dream for the kingdom of God. This led to years of spiritual warfare, constant depression, loss of friends and families on a consistent basis. A car accident that caused permanent physical pain and problems, a church transition, the constant fighting of wolves, constant battle for unity in the church, and then COVID. Where every decision ever made by any pastor was wrong. (laughs) And you made sure you let me hear that it was wrong. I'm not whining, I'm doing the Apostle Paul's thing where he said, look at what I've been through. And if you've been around for the last three years, my physical problems have been pretty, I mean, if I pull my hand out, I'll start shaking like crazy, so I'm going to put it back in my pocket. Safe here. I have a disease that's not going to go away. It's going to get progressively worse over time. I'm not saying that. Don't feel sorry for me. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that what we've gone through has not been easy and still isn't easy. But it's through those trials of faith that we've drawn closer and closer and closer and closer and closer and closer. I have the love that I have, not because I quit when it got hard, but because I trusted God. In difficult times. You say, well, you haven't experienced what I've experienced. I promise you, I've probably experienced pretty close to what you've experienced, if not exactly what you've experienced, and maybe even more than what you've experienced. But we haven't split because we're one. 
I could not do this without her and my surrender to her life and her surrender to mine. She's the reason that I'm pastoring a church. She's the reason why I preach the gospel. She's the reason why I love Jesus. She's the reason why I'm a better man. She's the reason why I'm a better dad. She made me better. And no matter how hard things were, we never, we never defaulted on each other. You can't when you're one. You can't when you're intimate. When you surrender your life to somebody else, she, she's responsible for me and I'm responsible for her. Isaiah chapter 48, verse 10. Don't go there because it's real quick. God says, behold, I've refined you, but not as silver, and I have tried you in the furnace of affliction. Intimacy is tried in the furnace of affliction. Charles Spurgeon said this about Isaiah 58, that it's, not, it's no simple thing to be chosen by God. God's choice makes chosen men choice men. We are chosen not in the palace, but in the furnace. In the furnace, beauty is marred, fashion destroyed, strength is melted, glory is consumed. And here, it's in this place, eternal love reveals its secrets and declares the choice. It's in those difficulties that you find out whether you're one or not. It's in those hard times, it's in those struggles of, of marriage. Been married almost 40 years to the same amazing woman. She's my first marriage. I don't plan on having another. Nothing's been easy, but the only thing that's been easy is when I surrendered my life to her, when I became one with her, when I became intimate with her, she's taken good care of me. We are inseparable. You say, I don't think that can happen. I think you're not giving God enough credit. Because we didn't just do it in our own power. We did it with the, in the power of God. It was our relationship with Jesus Christ that actually gave us the ability to know what it means to be one with, with, with God and be one with each other. Yes. Romans chapter 8 and verse 31. You can turn there and we'll read this. Can we get some, some pads playing in the background or something, Krista? Let's stand for a moment. Romans 8, 31. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him gracious, how will he not also with him him graciously give us all things. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is it that condemns? Jesus Christ is the one who died. More than that, he was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. 
He's asking the question, what's going to separate us from the love? When you become one with Christ, what can separate you from the love? Is it the hard times? Is it the trial? Is it the tribulation? Or is that just the truth of where your relationship is? For, all the, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. We willingly surrender our lives to be one with Christ. Just as I willingly surrendered my life to be one with her. That's intimacy. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now that is talking about what Jesus Christ, you can't lose that love that you have for him and his love for you. But I don't believe it's that much different. Ephesians 5 tells us it's the same kind of love that we're supposed to have for our spouses. So it makes me wonder, are you intimate with your spouse? Well, we have physical whatever. That's not what I'm talking about. Are you one with them? Have you surrendered your life to them? You say, well, that's not so easy. You, you don't realize I've, I've got a difficult marriage. Well, let's have a conversation about that. But what I see in this country is we just give up on relationships so easy because we're not usually, we're not really one with each other. We were taught to, to love one another in that superficial way that we do in America today. We don't, we're not taught to love each other and have it proven in the trials and tribulation of life. I don't know if you've been married very long, but it ain't been easy. Taking two very different people and making them live together as one. But it's easier with God question is are you surrendered to him first because nothing can separate us from his love see so just start with God and, and, and Jesus and ask the Holy Spirit to be with you and ask him to give you leadership and guidance in your life ask him to give you a love for your spouse ask him to give you a love that passes all understanding ask him to first love you and then to love, help you love them. That's intimacy. That's oneness. There's going to come a time, husband, where your wife's going to need you to surrender your life to her. Will you? Will you give up what you want, what you think, what you believe, what you desire for her? Does she know that? Ladies, does your spouse understand? Does your husband understand that you've surrendered your life to him? See, I think that's part of the problem. I don't think you realize. I'll just speak to the guys because I think sometimes we're kind of dense. Nothing personal. But I don't think we realize how much a woman trusts us with her life. I don't think you understand, husbands, how much, how hard it is for them to trust because for most of them, men have failed them throughout their lives. And, there's, and I'm standing up here saying, you should entrust yourself to your husband. You should surrender yourself to him. And you're not a safe place. 
You're not a safe space. Because for one, you're not surrendered to God. Because if you're surrendered to God, you'd, you'd be able to be trustworthy. So heads bowed, eyes closed. How many of you would be honest today and say, as a husband, I need to work on my relationship with my wife? Come on. I need to work on my relationship with my wife. Father, the men in this room need to be trustworthy. And that starts with you, that they would surrender their lives to you first. That they would be one with you, they would be in relationship with you. Father, I just pray that you open their hearts up to be honest with you and repent of any sin that's in their life. Sin of selfishness, self-centeredness, separation in their marriage. They would surrender to what you've called them to and that is intimacy. And that they would give their lives up for their wives and they would be trustworthy with that. Father, help us with that. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Ladies, how many of you would say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm struggling in my marriage. Amen. Amen. Gracious Heavenly Father, I'm not saying that it's easier for a man than a woman. But I know it's hard for women to trust men since men have just not done well by them their whole lives. Father, that's not an excuse because you've been good to them. Jesus has been good to them. The Holy Spirit's been good to them. But Father, they're scared to fully entrust themselves to this person. So give them courage to trust you that you will work on their husbands. And Father, if there are issues that keep them from trusting that come from other places. Maybe it's not their spouse that's at fault. Maybe it's some other man that's failed them. Heal them from that brokenness. Give them peace that passes all understanding so they could trust their husband, if, especially if he's a good man, a God man. And Father, I want to pray for the singles in the room, those that don't have anyone right now. Maybe they're dating Father, help them to be careful to not give their heart up too quickly. That they would be sure that through time and trial and tribulation that they would find out the truth about this person. Because when they say, I do, I've always said that I believe that's, that's done. It's a done deal. Father, when they say I do, they're saying I wanna, I'm willing to be intimate with this person. And I don't want it to end in divorce or separation. I don't want them to have a bad experience. The world is full of enough trial and tribulation, let alone have it happening in your marriage. Encourage these singles to seek you first, to learn how to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, to entrust their life to you first, and then to be mature enough to be able to handle a relationship with another human being. We love you, Jesus. Encourage our hearts. In Jesus we pray and all God's people said, let's sing. Can we bring the lights down just a little bit?
when you sing this song, sing it out to God. Sing it with a cry. And I need you to soften my heart and break me apart. I need you to open my eyes to see that you're shaping my life. Couples, come forward if you want to pray. help from Jesus. Come help us today, please.
there's uh, a lot of doubt in the room. A doubt that you can do what only you can do. You can bring intimacy into every relationship. We've just got to seek your face. We've got to seek it often. We've got to heal from brokenness and hurt. We've got to repent of sin. We've got to become new and new, new creatures in Christ. Help us, Father, to be the people that you need us to be. I believe our world needs to see Christians with good, intimate relationships. That they will believe if they see the change that Christ can make in a life. Open our hearts up to you. We love you in Jesus we pray. Now God's people said, one last thing, my wife's got two announcements to make. Okay, so our Easter service is on March 31st at 10 o'clock, and we'll, it, we will um, be held at Astoria High School. Let me rewind that again. I don't know why I'm getting mixed up on my, my words here. But Easter will be held at the Astoria High School Auditorium at 10 o'clock on March 31st. So begin inviting your friends and your family. We only have eight weeks until then. So we also will be needing extra helpers. If you are interested in helping with that, see the info desk. Afterwards, I believe Joey or Christine, someone will be out there and they can uh, plug you in. And then we will have more info to come. So. There's an Easter egg hunt, too, that we're at. Yes, that's so. right. Easter egg hunt. For too, the so. adults. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Don't steal the oh. golden eggs, all right, adults? <laughs> and then on February 25th, for all you secret sisters that are participating, we will be revealing our secret sisters right here up front. After the service, we're all going to be seated, and we are going to reveal. And then... If any of you are interested in participating next time, we'll be drawing names also. I know it's been a blessing. I had a, a secret sister give me a pie today. Or no, I, uh, it wasn't pie. It was uh, an apple crisp. I didn't know I had a secret sister, but now I do. I win. This is awesome. Let me pray one more time for you. Can I do that? Father, what we brought today is going to take contemplation and it's going to take meditation and it's going to take prayer and it's going to take time. But Father, let your words come forth. We should all have the relationship that Solomon had with his wife where they were one. They were intimate. It was beautiful. Encourage this church, Lord. I believe that there are families in here that want that. Encourage them to seek your face and then answer their cries. We love you, Jesus. In Jesus we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for coming. We'll see you next week. We're dealing with another issue.